Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. This week's episode is Longfellow's The Skeleton in Armor. The Skeleton in Armor appeared in Longfellow's second book of poems, entitled Ballads and Other Poems. While The Skeleton in Armor doesn't exactly match the form of a ballad, it is a ballad in essence. First, it tells a story. And second, the story is based on something in the news. In this case, the news is the discovery of a skeleton in Fall River, Massachusetts, that was partially clothed in brass armor. Much speculation as to the cultural identity of the deceased followed the discovery, though the prevailing opinion then as now was that the remains are of a Native American chieftain, the unusual armor, unlike any found before or since, led some to argue for a different origin, including the early seafarers of the Mediterranean who are known to have explored the eastern North Atlantic, Phoenicians, Carthaginians, or even Egyptians. Longfellow, though, imagines a different identity, a Viking. In this romantic idea, he followed the lead of a Norse historian of his day, Carl Christian Raffen, who believed the Vinland of the old Norse sagas that Longfellow so loved was actually North America. Raffen based his argument partly on a stone tower in Newport, Rhode Island, that, like the Fall River skeleton, is of mysterious provenance, in which Raffen believed was Norse. Longfellow includes the Newport Tower in The Skeleton in Armor and cites Raffin as a source for the poem. But whether Longfellow actually believed that the Newport Tower and or the Fall River Skeleton were historically of Viking origin is of little consequence. The Skeleton in Armor is a poem of romance, not history. The Skeleton in Armor opens with the poet in his study, speaking to an apparition who has come there to speak to him. After the poet's few words and a brief description of the situation, the apparition tells his story, charging the poet to faithfully record it. It's a story of romance and adventure, beginning with the ghost's childhood, then his adventures as a Viking, and then his wooing of the daughter of a prince which leads to his journey across the sea to America centuries before its discovery by the greater European world. Let's listen. The Skeleton in Armor by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Speak, speak, thou fearful guest, who, with thy hollow breast still in rude armor dressed, comest to daunt me, wrapped not in eastern bombs, but with thy fleshless palms stretched, as if asking alms, why dost thou haunt me? Then from those cavernous eyes pale flashes seem to rise, as when the northern skies gleam in December, and like the waters flow under December's snow came a dull voice of woe from the heart's chamber. I was a Viking old, my deeds though manifold, no scald in song has told, no saga taught thee. Take heed that in thy verse thou dost the tale rehearse, 
else dread a dead man's curse, for this I sought thee. Far in the northern land, by the wild Baltic strand, I, with my childish hand, tamed the gerfalcon, and, with my skates fast bound, skimmed the half-frozen sound that a poor whimpering hound trembled to walk on. Off to his frozen lair tracked I the grisly bear, while from my path the hare fled like a shadow. Off through the forest dark followed the werewolf's bark until the soaring lark sang from the meadow. But when I older grew, joining a corsair's crew, o'er the dark sea I flew with the marauders. Wild was the life we led, many the souls that sped, many the hearts that bled by our stern orders. Many a wassail bout wore the long winter out. Often our midnight shout set the cocks crowing, as we the berserk's tail measured in cups of ale, draining the oaken pail, filled to overflowing. Once, as I told in glee, tales of the stormy sea, soft eyes did gaze on me, burning yet tender. And as the white stars shine on the dark Norway pine, on that dark heart of mine fell their soft splendor. I wooed the blue-eyed maid, yielding yet half afraid, and in the forest shade our vows were plighted. Under its loosened vest fluttered her little breast, like birds within their nest by the hawk frighted. Bright in her father's hall, shields gleamed upon the wall, loud sang the minstrels all, chanting his glory. When of old Hildebrand I asked his daughter's hand, mute did the minstrel stand to hear my story. While the brown ale he quaffed, loud then the champion laughed, and as the wind gusts waft the sea foam brightly, so the loud laugh of scorn out of those lips unshorn from the deep drinking horn blew the foam lightly. She was a prince's child, I but a Viking wild, and though she blushed and smiled, I was discarded. Should not the dove so white follow the sea mew's flight? Why did they leave that night her nest unguarded? Scarce had I put to sea, bearing the maid with me, fairest of all was she among the Norsemen, when on the white sea strand, waving his armed hand, saw we old Hildebrand with twenty horsemen. Then launched they to the blast, bent like a reed each mast, yet we were gaining fast when the wind failed us, and with a sudden flaw came round the gusty scaw, so that our foe we saw laughed as he hailed us, and as to catch the gale round the veered flapping sail, death was the helmsman's hail, death without quarter. Midships with iron keel struck we her ribs of steel, down her black hulk did reel through the black water. As with his wings aslant sails the fierce cormorant, seeking some rocky haunt with his prey laden, so toward the open main, beating to sea again through the wild hurricane, bore I the maiden.
Three weeks we westward bore, and when the storm was o'er, cloud-like we saw the shore stretching to leeward. There from my lady's bower built I the lofty tower, which to this very hour stands looking seaward. There lived we many years. Time dried the maiden's tears. She had forgot her fears. She was a mother. Death closed her mild blue eyes. Under that tower she lies. Ne'er shall a sun arise on such another. Still grew my bosom then, still as a stagnant fin. Hateful to me were men, the sunlight hateful. In the vast forest here, clad in my warlike gear, fell I upon my spear, O oh, death was grateful. Thus seemed with many scars, bursting these prison bars, up to its native stars my soul ascended. There from the flowing bowl deep drinks the warrior's soul. Skoll to the Northland, skoll! Thus the tale ended. Some of you, as you listened, may have heard echoes of other stories. The wooing of the blue-eyed maiden is reminiscent of Othello's wooing of Desdemona. The sea flight of the eloping couple repeats the flight of Jason and Medea from Medea's royal father, though less shockingly. In the skeleton and armor, the father is killed when his ship is rammed and sunk by the ship of the escaping couple, the would-be husband at the helm, which is violent enough. In the story of Jason and Medea, it is the daughter who commits violence. Medea kills her brother, who has accompanied her, and then tosses his dismembered remains a piece at a time into the ocean, knowing her father will stop for each piece to retrieve it. The frame narrative of the skeleton in armor, the story of adventure being told by a preternatural speaker to a riveted listener, is taken from Coleridge's The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which was published in its final version only six years before Longfellow wrote The Skeleton in Armor. Such literary appropriation is common. Shakespeare only invented the plots of three of his 38 plays. The original Star Wars owes much to the Japanese director Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress as well as to movies as diverse as The Searchers and Ben-Hur, the borrowings of Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained from the 1966 spaghetti western Django is part of its charm. Longfellow took for granted that his readers would recognize the affinity of his poems with earlier works, going so far as to originally publish The Skeleton in Armor with marginal glosses like those Coleridge added to the rhyme of the ancient mariner, though Longfellow later discarded them. The primary question for any work of art isn't its originality, but its success at making something both new and good. Does Longfellow make the different elements of the skeleton and armor a unified work that is his own? Is it a good story? Does it capture your imagination? Let's listen again. The Skeleton in Armor by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Speak, speak, thou fearful guest, who, 
with thy hollow breast still in rude armor dressed, comest to daunt me. Wrap not in eastern bombs, but with thy fleshless palms stretched, as if asking alms, why dost thou haunt me? Then from those cavernous eyes pale flashes seem to rise, as when the northern skies gleam in December, and like the waters flow under December's snow, came a dull voice of woe from the heart's chamber. I was a Viking old, my deeds though manifold, no scald and song has told, no saga taught thee. Take heed that in thy verse thou dost the tale rehearse, else dread a dead man's curse. For this I sought thee. Far in the northern land, by the wild Baltic strand, I with my childish hand tamed the Garifalcon, and with my skates fast bound skimmed the half-frozen sound that the poor whimpering hound trembled to walk on. Off to his frozen lair tracked I the grizzly bear, while from my path the hare fled like a shadow. Off through the forest dark followed the werewolf's bark until the soaring lark sang from the meadow. But when I older grew, joining a corsair's crew, o'er the dark sea I flew with the marauders. Wild was the life we led, many the souls that sped, many the hearts that bled by our stern orders. Many a wassail bout wore the long winter out. Often our midnight shout set the cocks crowing, as we the berserk's tail measured in cups of ale, draining the oaken pail filled to overflowing. Once, as I told in glee tales of the stormy sea, soft eyes did gaze on me, burning yet tender. And as the white stars shine on the dark Norway pine, on that dark heart of mine fell their soft splendor. I wooed the blue-eyed maid, yielding yet half afraid, and in the forest shade our vows were plighted. Under its loosened vest fluttered her little breast, like birds within their nest by the hawk frighted. Bright in her father's hall, shields gleamed upon the wall, loud sang the minstrels all, chanting his glory. When of old Hildebrand I asked his daughter's hand, Mute did the minstrel stand to hear my story. While the brown ale he quaffed, loud then the champion laughed, and as the wind gusts waft the sea foam brightly, so the loud laugh of scorn out of those lips unshorn from the deep drinking horn blew the foam lightly. She was a prince's child, I but a Viking wild, and though she blushed and smiled, I was discarded. Should not the dove so white follow the sea-mew's flight? Why did they leave that night her nest unguarded? Scarce had I put to sea, bearing the maid with me. Fairest of all was she among the Norsemen, when on the white sea strand, waving his armed hand, saw we old Hildebrand with twenty horsemen. Then launched they to the blast, bent like a reed each mast, 
yet we were gaining fast when the wind failed us, and with a sudden flaw came round the gusty scaw, so that our foe we saw laugh as he hailed us. And to catch the gale round veered the flapping sail, death was the helmsman's hail, death without quarter, midships with iron keel, struck we her ribs of steel, down her black hulk did reel through the black water. As with his wings aslant sails the fierce cormorant, seeking some rocky haunt with his prey laden, so toward the open main, beating to sea again through the wild hurricane, bore I the maiden. Three weeks we westward bore, and when the storm was o'er, Cloud-like we saw the shore stretching to leeward. There from my lady's bower built I the lofty tower, which to this very hour stands looking seaward. There lived we many years. Time dried the maiden's tears. She had forgot her fears. She was a mother. Death closed her mild blue eyes. Under that tower she lies. Ne'er shall a sun arise on such another. Still grew my bosom then, still as a stagnant fin. Hateful to me were men, the sunlight hateful. In the vast forest here, clad in my warlike gear, fell I upon my spear. O oh, death was grateful. Thus seemed with many scars, bursting these prison bars, up to its native stars my soul ascended. There from the flowing bowl deep drinks the warrior's soul. Skoll to the Northland, skoll! Thus the tale ended. Samuel Taylor Coleridge died in 1834, not long after his final revision of The Rime of the Ancient Mariner went to the publisher, and, as I said, six years before Longfellow wrote The Skeleton in Armor. Nearly four decades later, in 1872, Longfellow received Coleridge's inkstand as a gift from an acquaintance he had made in England. Longfellow used it himself for the last nine years of his life. His friend Richard Henry Dana, father of the author of Two Years Before the Mast, wrote of it in a letter, I am almost tempted to commit burglary or even murder, if necessary, to possess it. Longfellow must look out for himself. I hope you enjoyed The Skeleton in Armor, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, I hope you'll share it with them on your social media so that they might join you and me by the fireside.